the title I gave to this little gospel story is One Question Too Many. You know, if only he'd stopped where he did. But the, the theme, of course, is eternal life. It begins with what must I do to inherit eternal life. The passage ends with an eternal life in the age to come, you see. The Lord takes his time to answer this. It's the, the quest of the Bible from the very beginning, the fall of Adam and Eve to Revelation. It's all about eternal life. And this man, last week we remember that Jesus was surrounded by a bunch of people. We don't, it's not explicit in the Bible, but you can see by what, what we heard that little children were coming and running up to Jesus while he's talking and the disciples are shooing him away. And, and you know, Jesus said, let them come to me. So there are many families around there, probably a very mixed group. And amongst this crowd, wherever Jesus was sitting there talking, and was this man, this rich young man. He probably stood out in the crowd, uh, having nice robes and, and all this and rings and, and uh, wealthy for his age. It doesn't say how, where he acquired all this money. And he's listening, you know, he's a religious man. You might get the impression that all people with wealth are... Jesus has negative things, and that's not true at all. This man has been following Christ, and, or been following God and his commandments. And so he sees Jesus getting up from this teaching session we've been hearing the last few weeks, and he sees that his moment has come. He's been pondering the teaching on eternal life and wondering about it, and he sees that he's just about to lose his chance, so he comes running up. It must have been very dramatic. See, the apostles remembered certain stories, the ones that really stood out. It's this rich man kneeling humbly before Jesus um, and saying, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He starts off immediately with a question that was, was the wrong question. He said, why do you call me good? So right away, he's, uh, Jesus is challenging the man. It took courage to come up in front of everyone and ask this question. This is a question that at the time of Christ was really very, it was raging in Judaism because the Old Testament is not explicit about eternal life. You have to infer it. The Sadducees, who were the wealthy party, they were the, they were the group in, they were like political parties, only much more. They were in power. They had all the money of the temple. They had a nice healthy share of it for themselves. They had everything. They did not believe in eternal life. The, the Sadducees did believe in it. They were the party of the people, and they saw that God's promises were not fully fulfilled in this life, that justice is not always done. Evil sometimes triumphs. They inferred there must be another place where God makes it right. The Sadducees, having, having everything, they said, well, look at us. We're perfect. We, we Obviously, God's blessing us. There's no need for eternal life. We have it all right now. This was it's a little bit simplified, but that's the argument. But this man breaks the mold. See, he's got everything, but he knows that there's something missing. He's striving for eternal life. He wants what Jesus is offering, but Jesus hasn't made it explicit in this teaching. How do I get eternal life? It, it really comes from believing in Jesus, but he hasn't died yet, so he's, he's and rose from the dead. So Jesus says, well, being a good teacher that he is, he says, well, Let the little children come to me. <laughs> he, says, he says, well, you know the commandments. Which ones are they? Which ones are they? I have to look it up. You shall... 
my, my fourth go around with this, you'd think I'd remember. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat others. Honor your parents. Pretty basic stuff. It's the commandments. That's five of the ten. And the man says, basically what he's saying, he says, I've done all this. What he means is, I know those things. I've been doing them. I feel it's not enough. There's something missing in my life. I want you to help me see what I'm still lacking. Jesus has made him want more. Anybody who's had a real encounter with Christ knows he's going to challenge us to higher things. He always does. It's, I always tell people it's always a risk to go in the Adoration Chapel because you're not just sitting before a static God. This is a dynamic living God and he's going to challenge us because he loves us and he wants more for us. And this man says the fatal question, what more must I do? It must have been obvious to everyone what was going to be next. Certainly the apostles had a clue what Jesus was going to ask, didn't they? You had poor ones and rich ones. Matthew was rich, Peter was poor, but they all had an equal call. You must give this up to follow me. You can only go so far and hold on to your own things. You've got to have a radical departure from what you're holding on to. For this man, it was money. I think for a lot of us it's possessions, but that's not everyone's issue, but it was his issue. He says, well, if you wish to be perfect, go and sell what you have and come follow me. And the man went away sad. But it's interesting that Mark has a little detail. I love to point out, only Mark has it. All three of the parallel Gospels offer this, this scene. It's very important, but only Mark has this eyewitness detail, probably getting it from Peter, that Jesus hears that this man has been following the commandments and looks at him with love. And Peter is surprised because he knows Jesus has not met this man before. How does he know this man? But Jesus sees, being God, that this man has been loving God, and the man does not know that he's been loving God. Jesus loves this man. He's trying to love him. We get There's an immense insight here as to what pleases God. We, we sometimes equate love of God with a feeling. I I used to pray and feel really good about it, and I'm having one. It's tough for me to sit there. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe it's a little less or a little more. And, uh, and I, I find that it's very difficult now. Well, but that's where love gets going. You know, love isn't a feeling. It's, it's what we've done. It's, it's the effort that we make. Um, St. Faustina uh, wrote in her diary when she was talking with God. Uh, she felt everything was dry, and she wasn't accomplishing anything in the monastery. And, he said, well, don't you know, I, I reward people for their effort, not for, not for if they succeed or not. I, I thought that's really good. I like that. See, it's the love of the action. We don't have to succeed. He doesn't measure us by that. But it's, it's that, that door I held for somebody or that, that can of food that I picked up we've been talking about. I get the, I've been told the truck is real full of foods, but we're all taking our little peanut butter. And I can imagine God last day of your life holding that jar of peanut butter and saying, you know, thank you for loving me. But I said, that little thing, that little, pe- that little jar of peanut butter, I've done bigger things than that. He says, it was the little things that counted. Weren't you listening? See, that, that was Christ. Whoever got that, piece of pe- that jar of peanut butter is Christ. The sick person, I've got a sick relative. I've been going to Portland. It's driving me crazy. And, uh, but it's Christ I'm visiting, you see. It's not my sister. It's Christ. 
And it's the same with you when you've got somebody that's a child that's ill or uh, got a child with whooping cough we've been praying for here and, um, and we've been praying for, for him. And, and all these things are they're Christ in that little child. Every little thing, the tithe you give at St. Saint, at Saint Ed's, and it was this kind of sacrificial giving Sunday and, or the, the church that we're building. All the things that will happen here, you're an investor and, and it's a way of loving God. All these ways, and we don't even realize we're loving God because we don't feel anything. On the other hand, the times that I neglected these things because I was selfish, we have an instinctive, we kept it for ourselves, but we didn't love God and we lose it. So Christ is giving us, again, it's an investment principle. It's, it's one I've tried to follow for three decades is that, it, you know, sacrificial giving, it, it's not just about money, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's what, in what way of what I've been given in my life am I to share with God and others? And then it all comes back. You know, Peter has this comment. He said, we've left everything and followed you in the other two Gospels. Remember, Peter's probably giving Mark this information. So Peter's kind of, it's less edgy what Peter says, but in Matthew and Luke, he says, he says it like this in English. What's in it for us? We've left up everything for you. Oh, kind of a crass statement, don't you think? What's in it for me? We did, what, we did what you asked this man to do. He watched them, this guy go away. And Peter, who had very little to give up compared to this man, says, what's in it for us? He wants to know. And Jesus is not, does not reprimand him. He says, I'll tell you what's in it for you. You're going to get a hundredfold back and eternal life in the world to come. And a cross for your efforts. That's also a gift from God. So whatever I've given to God is going to come back to me a hundredfold. As we go through life, we begin to see this principle in action. It's not an immediate benefit. This is why we don't always notice it. It's not always in kind, but it is more generous. We don't realize what God's doing. Every little action comes back to us. They're investments. They're, they're also acts of love. And this is, this is what Christ is pointing out to us. It's, a, it's an exciting gospel in a way because it, it teaches us what pleases God, and it's not hard to do. Um, the man asked one question too many, and I wonder how many of us, myself included, really have the courage to sit down with God sometime this week, the Lord, in prayer, and say, Lord, what more do I need to do? What is the hang-up between us? What is the, we all have an issue, don't we? Some more than others, I guess, but what is that, what's the one issue that you see that you and I ought to work on? What is it that I'm missing here? You know, I love you. I'm trying to do this. I'm bringing, some people brought coats for the coat closet already. And I bought my pie and cobbler for, the, for Father Tap. What more do I need to do? It's a, it's a hard question to ask. Uh, I don't know. If you had one question to ask the Lord, what would it be? Not a, not a, not a favor. Not, a, not, not something that you need, but what question would you ask him? Would you really want to hear the answer to this question? I'd have to stop for a moment before I came forward because the question, the answer would probably be tough to hear. And these moments that come like this, they are rare. They are opportunities that may never come again. I, 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 I've come to this, this theme quite often over the last uh, eight and a half years that I've been here. The, the missed opportunity, some of you may remember 
One of them was the, the, uh, the Concorde that I had a chance to fly on when I worked for an airline. I forgot how fortunate I was to have that position. They offered us a trip for $300, and I thought it was too much money. It's one of, the, one of my three top regrets in terms of that, that type of thing. Never had that chance again. This man never had a chance again to be asked by Jesus to follow him. The head, the head of the corporation wanted to be, him to be on the board of directors. The one who created everything invited him to be in, in, in the inner circle. The man had attachments that prevented him from going any further. He got this far and no more. And God, Jesus still loved him. But imagine what might have been. But he wasn't ready. And when the moment came, he hesitated and it passed him by. It's a vocation story, but it's also, it's a warning and a promise that there's a risk benefit. When you sacrifice a little thing for Christ, it comes back a hundredfold. When we hold it to ourselves, we, we lose it. It's, this is the way of the gospel. We're here to learn things. We're not here to accumulate possessions. We all need them. But the point is, is that there's always that thing that God is challenging us more and more. What is the question that you might ask God this week? Perhaps it might be, Lord, what more do I need to do? And we have to pray that we can accept the answer that we will receive.